the British Wrestling Experience with Martin, Ollie, and Benno. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the British Wrestling Experience right here on Post Wrestling. I'm Benno, no Martin this week, he's away on holiday, but filling in uh, and stepping into his shoes is Will Cooling. Will, Martin's in Orlando and we're stuck in whatever this country is right now. Life doesn't seem very fair, does it? It really doesn't, and particularly because the weather has gone back to being British. Like yesterday, nice sunny day, today where I am, it's been chucking it down. <laughs> yeah, we're in that year, period of the year, aren't we? Where yeah, I, I feel like it's the time to stop wearing jumpers to work, and then we'll have a day like today. I was like, nope, the su- summer's not here yet. It's definitely, definitely not going to be as nice as in, as in Orlando. Uh, and surprisingly, as well, where Martin is, the, the the political landscape's probably a bit more sane than it is over here. Would you say? It, pretty much, yeah. Though it's been a fraught week in a well, <laughs> few weeks in British politics as. Yeah. Uh, like, literally, there are MPs talking about how they're losing weight. They're under so much pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought, like, having you on, Will, I mean, as well as doing uh, wrestling podcasts, you're known to uh, to jump on and uh, wax about political issues as well. Uh, I saw you going back and forth on Twitter about Brexit. And I just thought, Will, we've got you on. We've got a, we've got a Canadian and American audience who listen to, I mean, who better to explain uh, Brexit to some wrestling fans than, uh, than the great Will Cooling? I'll try my best. So it's uh, the problem always is, is it's the European Union is such an interesting, unusual organization. I remember once trying to explain to Americans saying, imagine the original Continental Congress of the United States. It's something like that. Um, it's not NAFTA. That's the thing that Americans always go to and compare it to the North American Free Trade Association uh, Agreement. It's much more involved. In some economic levels, it's even more integrated than the United States. So give you an example. Do you know in America, they have that whole thing of um, different cities bidding mm-hmm. to get Amazon's headquarters too? Mm-hmm. In, in the European Union, that's illegal. Because <laughs> the commission will just step in and say, Oi, no, stop competing against each other with these subsidies and these tax cuts. That's illegal state aid. You can't do that. Hang on, but... The- the the way that American states also bid for WrestleMania would that be illegal? I'm just trying to throw it in wrestling parlance. Uh, <laughs> it was a legal state aid, yeah. Like you'd have to actually do it based on commer- it would have to be commercially viable, not undue favoritism. Hmm. Um, I mean, the most famous one: um, the EU forced Ireland to take a bunch of taxes from Amazon hmm. that the Irish didn't want to take. Are literally billions of pounds that the EU forced Ireland to take. So mm. it's it's incredibly complicated. It's like imagine California trying to cede from the United States. It's not <laughs> easy. It took us seven years to join what was then the EEC, and you have a bunch of degenerate MPs who refuse to compromise and want to leave right now. <laughs> and by right now, I mean next Friday. <laughs> Yeah, no deal needed, you know, let's just let's just leave. There can't be any, it's no more complicated than that, Well, It's not like, you know, we rely on Europe for anything or there's any things that are, you know, interlocked between uh, being the UK and Europe. Should be should be just easy, shouldn't it? It should be fine. It's not as if we have a border with another country that was the root of a 30-year civil war where like 3,000 people died, you know, be fine. <laughs> yeah. 
So what you're basically saying, Will, is that we're fucked. Is, is that kind of the situation for our for our international listeners? Uh, hopefully the podcast will carry on. Uh, hopefully the country doesn't fall into that bad bad state of disrepair. Well, I've always been very Pollyanna-ish about uh, um, Brexit in the sense of like I'm the literally I may be the only person, including Theresa May, who liked her deal when she announced it. <laughs> um, I thought, oh, this is good. We could we could work with this. We will see. Like. I don't. I doubt we're going to leave with no deal on Friday. I think it's more likely either something's cobbled together or we have a long extension mm. and we kick it into the long grass. Yeah. Um, but it's not going to be simple. So yes, so, a few more four days for the politicians. So you're not one of those people who's uh, stuck in the fridge now just to just in case uh, we crash out with no deal. Yeah. The, my brother, my brother was saying that he was going to do that, and I was trying to say to him, like, you are literally the reason why you would have to do that. People doing that and <laughs> stocking, stocking up on all the frozen food just in case what could happen, creating kind of their own drama and their own uh, state of it, emergency. It's unlikely because the, the commission, as part of their no deal preparations, have kind of issued various proclamations that would say that you should have fairly unfettered cross-border trade for the rest of this year, mm. or that there would be some disruption. Mm. Um, so for your everyday food, you'll probably be fine, although, you know, you, your favourite sandwich may not be in a, may not be in a supermarket. <laughs> you made the best selection. Oh, it always, no. Do you remember when KSC ran out of chicken? <laughs> and the whole country lost its mind. That was I a national emergency. Of, That's a real emergency, Will. That, that was serious like, business. This is why I never understand the no deal. It's just like, guys, have you not just seen what this country did over chicken? But yeah, so like uh, the immediate consequences might not be as severe as people think, hmm. but that is based on Europeans being nice to us if we were to yeah. crash out with the deal. What do you think is going to happen to like the, the wrestling promotion? We're about to talk uh, a lot about Fight Club Pro, you know, promotions that rely on imports, uh, both from mainland Europe and, and further afield. Could that be chaos? Well, With One big news story we're going to talk about later is Pac being denied a visa to the US or having some kind of visa trouble along with the rest of uh, of Dragon Gate. Uh, yeah, are we, are we in for, for a word like that? Yeah, I mean, it, it could be difficult. I mean, one of the, the, the most obvious things is, although not many Europeans um, compete in, in Britain, particularly when you, and this is going to really confuse the Americans, although the Republic of Ireland is different to the United Kingdom, there is still a common travel area that predates the European Union. So Irish people, even though they're not British, will still be able to get into Britain, even in Britain is no longer part of the European Union. Mm. Um, so, Irish wrestlers coming into Britain or British wrestlers going into Ireland, that'd be fine. Good. But the, the the issue you would have is not so much the European wrestlers not being able to get into Britain, because there's not that many of them who really compete on a regular basis. It will be, um, if, the, if, the, if the immigration services are inundated on kind of process visas for Europeans who wouldn't normally need them, you might create the type of backlog that hurt New Japan. Mm. Um, just in the sense of the whole system's grinding down and nobody's priority is making sure a bunch of wrestlers appearing in a warehouse in Wolverhampton get their visas <laughs> in on time. 
Um, the other thing, which is, is, is even more of an issue, are wrestlers coming over to Britain to train. So, like, at, uh, we're going to talk about Fight Forever in a second. Like, we, uh, I bumped into Carlos Romo, who's moved mm. to Wolverhampton from Spain to train. That stuff probably goes by the by side uh, once everything is se- everything settles down because mm. you wouldn't be able to prove income. You would be able to prove um, that you were a ex- excellent, ex- excellent enough to perform like that sort of like entry level young wrestlers coming over to the UK or vice versa. That's the type of stuff that then starts to uh, break down. Mm. Uh, and they get into the even bigger issues of falling the value of the pound may make it less valuable to wrestle in the UK. You might have issues of customs, so sending your merch over to Europe. You might get slapped with tariffs. There would be definitely be complicating factors. Wow! So we all thought that uh, WWE and New Japan politics was going to be the most complicated thing that could happen to Britres these last couple of years. But hey, fifty was it fifty two percent of the of the public voted for it. So yeah, this is the this is the world we're in. Unfortunately, um, let's hope let's hope that it's uh, that it in some way uh, gets resolved. And yet, uh, again, obviously the most important thing is how it's going to affect the wrestling. Because yeah, we could uh, we could definitely do without uh, any more complications. But you said that you mentioned there, Will. Uh, just onto onto wrestling matters. Yeah, you mentioned you've uh, been at Fight Forever shows. That's the uh, promotion that maybe some of our listeners might be familiar with. They did the tour tail end of last year with Cody Rhodes. Although I don't believe he wrestled in the end. So it was at the time he was injured, but he was the big headline act. It was like they did a lot of double shows, didn't they, with a. Uh, Conrad, Conrad and Bruce, uh, the uh, something to wrestle with uh, podcast. Uh, nice little idea they had for that first tour, but they've came back and 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 doing another tour. Um, but I haven't really, apart from you, I haven't heard much about it. Yeah, so like I actually I like the original idea. The original idea felt like some of the stuff you see the elite do in Australia before AEW was formed, which is mm. they partner with a local promotion and they do a date branded with them. And I thought, it was, no, it, it made sense because you have a, several dates, you bring in some overseas stars, and you spread the costs over those dates. Um, this, this wasn't like it this time. This was primarily, no, I think it was, yeah, it's entirely local, locally based wrestlers in terms of they were all based in the UK. I think the only non Brits on the card were like Star, Aussie Open, El Fantasmo, who are all. Um, but you know, all live in the UK. Um, idea was so it's in Birmingham because one of the great paradoxes, one of the weird things is although the West Midlands is a hotbed for British pro wrestling, mm. the biggest city in the West Midlands, Birmingham, doesn't get any wrestling, particularly not in its city centre. Like the closest you got was when like Lucha Forever would would I think occasionally ran a Strider Junior, but even a lot of Lucha Forever shows were in the outskirts of Birmingham. Mm. Um, so they run in a nightclub. Um, it's quite an impressive setup. Um, it's like you'd probably like they had about 150, 200 people at most, probably closer to a hundred. Um, but it's a really impressive setup because you basically got all like the LED screens for the nightclub mm. that you can then just use to kind of promote your show. Because it's nightclub though. You have to. They they basically have to be out by about ten ten thirty because the nightclubs go get ready for the night. <laughs> so you basically have one of these things where it's like three three and a half hours, but they got through like I think I think it was something like ten matches mm. in that time with an intermission. 
that's pretty impressive. Is this, is this in like TV blocks? Is it that they were trying to do? Yeah, so they, they did one TV block, then an intermission, then another mm-hmm. uh, TV block. Both going to be on fight. The first one is going to be free. The second one you have to pay for. I would be intrigued how they come across on fights because, you know, as I said, you know, you're talking about a a show that took just over three hours once you cut out the intermission. Mm. Unless they've got a lot of backstage footage, they may a bit may be a bit short, uh, mm. particularly the second one where they're charging people. Um, to me, like it was one of those of shows that almost has that kind of free star force field over it mm. in the sense of because everything's kept short nothing's bad but nothing's great mm. because you just you just and like it's like it's fine like you have a nice evening watching fine wrestling and i was next to a friend of ours arnold furious at the bar having her long island iced teas <laughs> um, so but nothing ever hits the heights you know in terms of highlights you know um, Shaw Samuels didn't get the memo about the three-star force field because he went out there and basically tried to kill himself in a match with Joe Hendry. And it was quite like he was noticeably working like more than anybody else on the show um, mm. relative to what you might expect from him. Um, fun tag team tournament, um, you know, had a Billington Bulldogs, so they're now being called a dynamic duo, which isn't as good a yeah. What did you make of them? Uh, I've still not seen them live. I've only seen them on the Defiance TV show. If anyone hasn't seen them, they're basically just two clones. Well, look, they're both attempting to be their uncle, the Dynamite Kids, and I saw a, a match between the two of them yeah, from that from a Defi- one of their Defiance TV shows, and they were just literally running through his spots at a million miles an hour. It was like, I said at the time, like the, the bastard son of those 2003 Special K, Brian XL, amazing red-type matches, and the Dynamite Kids. Like, no, no, no breath, no, just spots, 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 but all in the classic Dynamite Kids style. It, it should be terrible and it probably sounds terrible describing it but i did find it re- really perversely in some ways entertaining but what was it like uh, seeing them live and have they got any better i haven't seen their defiant match i thought they were all right it was a quite one-sided match because mm. what they basically did they had two semi-finals where the winners basically steamrolled over to, to set up the final mm. but yeah they, they looked they looked fine like they, they looked like there's some potential there um they like i shouldn't say this because they're obviously the dynamites and a ready to dynamite kid, but like they probably could do it, put on some muscle. Um, um, yeah, they're, they're very, the, very skinny, aren't they? The, the, they look they're, every bit of their age. But yeah, no, it was fun. I mean, the one thing is we did get Aussie Open uh, versus uh, Fleisch and Storm. Hmm. And my God, <laughs> you know, how Fleisch and Storm are doing this. I, I do not understand it. Like their combined age is 80. Hmm. And they they hung in there with Aussie Open every step of the way. Um, it is it is quite something to see. Um, um, and you also had some quite good character work between Joe Hendry and David Starr. Um, Joe Hendry as the heel, David Starr as the uh, baby face, which was quite enjoyable. So I enjoyed the shows, and I would definitely go if they did another show in Birmingham. Mm. Um, it's just solid few hours, but I'd be interested to see how it comes across on fight. Like the free one would be worth watching, mm. but the, the the one that they're going to charge ten dollars for, mm, yeah. that that that's, that'd be interesting. 
it's it's an interesting way to go about business, you know. Give people if you are confident in your program in your product, give them a give them a bit of a taste there, and then yeah, they have to come back and pay. I mean, maybe they're hoping that after uh, WrestleMania weekend, people will be rich with with fight books from referral codes that they've uh, they got left over. Maybe some of that can go towards it as well. But yeah, definitely be interesting to see how those shows come out. A interesting little business model to try and and yeah, an interesting selection of wrestlers there too. So yeah, guess we'll uh, we'll see how that looks on fight. Uh, um, but yeah, other than that, uh, also uh, what you've been watching is uh, Fight Club Pro's uh, International Techers, which is uh, our main review we're going to talk about uh, today, Will. Uh, I managed to catch this on uh, on Fight Club Pro's VOD, which is uh, a kind of a new experience for me. They've got, the, uh, they've got a streaming service now where you can uh, subscribe monthly and, and catch up on their shows. Uh, Fight Club Pro, traditionally for me, have always been... A live show promotion, and I've dipped in with odd VOD shows, and not always loved it. But it does seem like uh, with this show and uh, you know this year in general, uh, they're trying to move more in that direction. Uh, I don't know where. Will, what did you uh, what did you make of this show uh, in general, and uh, what you think of uh, Fight Club Pro's prospects as a as a more maybe VOD promotion? Yeah, I mean it's really interesting because. Um... One of the things is worth explaining, like to the listeners, is that Fight Club Pro were like the last major holdout in Britain in terms of having a VOD service. Mm. Um, like a lot, a lot of the, some of the smaller promotions, uh, particularly in the Midlands, are still using Vimeo to sell standalone uh, shows. Mm. But Fight Club Pro, not only were, did they not have a subscription service, they still had, and they still do have, like a fairly strong DVD business. So it was a surprise when the kind of like the announcement was made um, that they were going to move to a subscription service because they're still selling these shows for like 10, 15 quid for DVDs. Mm. But what hopefully it does is it means more people watch it who don't go to live shows because, mm. you know, I would have the thing of you'd go and tell people there was a good match of Fight Club Pro. Yeah. And they'd be like, I'm not paying a tenner for one show like no. that I just, i'm just not going to do it no um in terms of this show i thought i thought it was a really good show I, I enjoyed it i thought the to me i was there live and i've watched it back highlight was the main event mm. uh mark davis mika satamora um it is astonishing how much i've got to see satamora live due to living in wolverhampton mm. like i think i counted it up and it's like it's now approaching to like 13 14 matches live wow um, because I was there for, I think it was the first time she came over to the UK, which was the Shakara King of Trios um, in Wolverhampton back in 2016. And it's been a pleasure because she, I mean, she's such a crisp, dynamic worker. You quickly forget it's an inter- intergender match because it's not it's not wrestled as an intergender match in terms of like, oh, there's heat on the man for beating up the woman or anything like this. Just mm. two people kicking the ever-living shit out of each other. Mm. And they had a... Her and Davis had a war, went mm. all over the hangar. Um, Davis uh, ble- bleeding from the forehead, you know, suitably bra- uh, bladed. And I just thought it was great. No, great, yeah. great uh, brawl. And a fitting end to what's been a really strong title raid. And one that's really interesting because... Last summer, after she had the two matches with Brooks and then disappeared in the summer because she was doing Mae Young Classic and had stuff, obviously, to do in, in Japan with Sendai Girls, there was some criticism of the fact that the title wasn't being defended at shows. 
But, you know, since she came back, you know, the great match with Fletcher, the uh, a couple of good tags, the, match, the first match with Davis, the stuff in Japan, like it's been a real asset to promotion. And, yeah, th- this is a definitely a match I'd recommend. How did you find it in the VOD? Yeah, I thought, I mean, I think Fight Club Pro, I'm one of those people who will always say Fight Club Pro, for me, is a live promotion. I think the, the fact that, you know, they're obviously making this move to having a, a subscription monthly service, like you say, quite quite late in the game, uh, but it's still with no commentary, which is both a blessing and a curse. Uh, there's nothing worse than bad commentary, especially bad Brit res commentary, which I'm sure we can uh, both give examples of. Um, but when you don't have it, it does you lose a little bit something of, uh, you know, telling the stories and, you know, catching up maybe a new viewer on, on what's going on with, you know, with Mika Satomura, you know, she's the, she's the Fight Club Pro champion and, you know, the, the Schadenfreude a lot are, are desperate to get the belt off her. Uh, you kind of, I mean, you can gather that from what you're watching and you can gather it from following it online, but I do think you lose a little bit of something by, you know, a big main event like this, which I really enjoyed, but I think it, it could maybe do with that little explainer as well as, as to what's going on. Um, as far as a match, and we should probably talk about, I mean, the, the two big, it's almost like a one-two combo, really, the two big matches from this show for me. Uh, that and the Daisuke Kyle Fletcher match, because I found them kind of, the, 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 for me, parallels between the two matches. Like, Miko and, and Davis, like you say, it was a fight, it was... It was the you know an intergender match which I don't always love, but an intergender match that that really worked. And I think you know having having Miko there, she's someone who you're always going to believe, you know, because she's got this rep and because you know she's she's a wrestling you know a living, breathing legend. You'll you'll take it when she's you know outpowering Davis, but they always do it in a logical way. You know, she's the babyface fighting from underneath. If she gets a power bomb, it's because you know Davis is uh, already stood on the ropes in the corner and she's going to desperate tactics like introducing tables and that dvd off the top from there through the table was an absolutely incredible spot in the match but i thought yeah as a match they both really uh, kind of played the role perfectly and like i say it was a good companion piece to to the other big match from the show daisuke and kyle fletcher because it, for me that kind of felt like the reverse where daisuke although kyle fletcher's put quite a bit of weight on is obviously the bigger man uh, and kyle as the heel uh, is playing up the size difference in much of different ways, like the the chicken shit heel bumping and selling underneath, like a like a classic heel Shawn Michaels kind of thing, where like like that uh, Hell in a Cell match with the Undertaker, you know, lot lots of selling, lots of big bumping for the big man, um, and although that one was a relatively straightforward win for Daisuke, it was it was also a strong match as well. I thought it was quite a quite interesting for Fight Club Pro to again the the, the refreshing things these last couple of years. There's been you know, as I've seen, you note uh, less of a there was less of an emphasis on the British strong style guys uh, right up until they left, and they've moved in this new Schadenfreude direction. And yeah, you know, Aussie Open are, are two wrestlers that you can see absolutely everywhere as a tag team. But I think it's interesting that they gave them both, you know, featured roles on this show in the in the semi and main event. And I really did think they they both delivered for for the part. No, I mean it's 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 fascinating because. Um... Your colleague on the Grapple Spotlight, uh, Joe, mm. watched a previous show, the Wrestle House one. Mm. And that one, for, for whatever reason, I assume it's because they had Will Ospreay. They just want to have a great Will Ospreay match. Mm. Kyle turned all that heel mannerisms down. Mm. And, but this I, is what I, he's been I'd doing. I'd heard you raving about them as well going into, yeah. going into that match. And yeah, that seemed like an odd thing to do. 
but but they but they clearly and you knew it because one of the things was is that they they, they didn't have the shadow for the guys at ringside for the Osprey match. Whereas here, shadow for guys are back, full on chicken shit heel. And you get a chance whenever they add it up onto the unlimited service. The match he has with Satamora is an even better example of what he did in the Sekimoto match because that is Fletcher's is chicken shit heel, mm. but with a baby face, it's got a bit more dynamic offense than Sekimoto. Mm. So and so you, it like at one point Lycos is kicked out of that out of the ring from that match, and like Fletcher is crying like literal tears. <laughs> So, um, yeah, no, I really loved that match. I really loved the dynamic. Fletcher has been a great heel, and I thought he did really well to keep it logical, keep it plausible, um, which is, you know, bigger men than Fletcher struggle mm. to look uh, plausible oh, against yeah. uh, Sekimoto. The man is a unit. Mm. So it's been it's been good, some good stuff. I Just going back to your point of commentary, I prefer without any commentary because of the issue of who would you get to do it. Also, the issue of, like, I quite like RevPro's commentary. Like, I think Cruden does a pretty decent job, mm. but the issue you, you don't have. I, I think he, I, I quite like it. I also He's quite better. like it. About- <laughs> he's better than he used to be he's still very shouty uh is kind of my problem with him i do i like that he's got good chemistry though hasn't he with andy boy simmons i yeah. think that can that can take you a long way plus he knows the product it being his product and i think he also plays the kind of i am the matchmaker i am the booker quite well um mm. which is good but the issue you then have is they turn the, the crowd right down mm. because i don't think anybody in British Brit Res kind of gets the crowd mixing right when they add in commentary, and I kind of want to hear the crowd. So, but the one thing you lose is that placing shows into context, which is an even bigger issue. The historical stuff, mm. and yeah, I, d- I don't know the way around that. I don't know whether it's hype Matt videos, Richards, maybe hype videos. Matt Richards, when he used mm. to be the MC, was quite good at kind of doing like a rundown of the cards i don't yeah. know if you could go back to that mm. um written a written preview like yeah i, mm. I do think that pl- how you place it in context is like for me say say for the davis satamore match because i go every month in my mind i've got all this stuff that satamore has mm. done in wolverhampton that mm. kind of adds to my enjoyment yeah um and you know why it's a big moment, why at the end, you know, all the roster come out and it's all, you know, the lovely moment with Trent Seven coming out, uh, which I didn't see on the VOD, unfortunately. Yes. You, you get you get all of that, don't you? And it makes it makes more Although, you know, you can, you can parachute in and get that stuff, you know, a bit of context wouldn't hurt. Um, the other thing, just to, um, a couple of things to highlight on the rest of the card. Mm. One, um, Brooks beating Sheba was a big moment because Shima, this is talking about placing things in context, because Shima's always been booked super strong when he's came over to fight Club Pro. Mm. So I'm sure that's the first time I've seen him lose. Mm. Um, and totally him taking a pinfall. Interesting so opener too as well. Like that was one yeah. thing for me that, you know, speaking to that commentary point, just turning on this view, do you know, here's Shima in an opener against Chris Brooks. Okay, I guess this is a match that's happening. Um, and again, I think it, it talks to my thing with uh, Chris Brooks at the moment, which is I think he's getting better at singles in terms of coming across as a star mm. and not getting lost. But it's usually a bit like Cody Rhodes in the sense of there is still a level 
to his singles matches that they mm. don't get beyond. So you can see, okay, yeah, you're important, but you're not kind of kicking on to that next level. Mm. Um, the other damn thing is, is the, the Zach Gibson promo, which yes. Zach, Gibson, Zach Gibson promos are always great, but <laughs> he had so much material to work with like Club Pro, oh, yeah. and it was fantastic. Oh yeah, the, the the lines about how uh, they got the video screens, and he's like, yeah, "Turns out you can polish a turd." I was rolling; <laughs> that was that was absolutely hilarious. Throw away multi-man match, but worth it just for the promo. And interesting to see Gibson and Drake in Fight Club Pro as well. That's a that's an interesting addition. Well, I assume Gibson was getting a flight from Birmingham the next day to Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> Do you reckon that's all there is to it? <laughs> I'd imagine oh. so. Um, <laughs> I mean, for non like regular Fight Club Pro like viewers, I mean, obviously it's uh, your local promotion, uh, Will, so it's near and dear to your heart. But something someone jumping in might uh, struggle with is watching Dan Maloney tapping out Tim Thatcher. Thought that was interesting on the undercard, being because uh, G-Man, the uh, video recorder extraordinaire, the man who edits uh, many Brit Res shows up and down the country, distracting Tim Thatcher. Uh, he was a wrestler once himself, uh, obviously uh, of 1PW fame and uh, various other promotions across the North and Midlands, but that's an odd one. Uh, could you explain to uh, the listeners what's going on there? Well, you I can explain that side. I have a big rant about Dan Maloney. So, G-Man, yeah, they've been, they've been kind of teasing this idea of G-Man, Timothy Thatcher, um, there was like a confrontation, I think, at the Schadenfreude show. So, like, this has been going on and on and on for a while. Mm. And I don't know if the idea is to finally do a match. That would be interesting. Um, mm. Or whether it's just something they did to kind of give Timothy an out for the loss. Mm. The thing I don't get is Dan Maloney is this kind of smiley baby face who likes <laughs> hearing people chant the word Dan. So weird. I mean, that that's a big difference for me. Like, again, I'm jumping in and out of Fight Club Pro shows, but when I was going regularly, he was uh, the heel in jeans who'd beat up Shea Persa, and now post-WWE, he's kind of trunks and boots baby face. The fans love yeah. making fun of him, so and they still kind of do it. But, yeah, that was kind of weird for me. And the thing is, like, it's just as abrupt for all of us because he really hadn't been around mm. until December when he came back. Um, so, yeah, that I'm still getting my head around. Oh, you like your name being chanted now. Okay, mm. fair enough. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Timothy Thatcher, he does, it happens a lot with him in, in various promotions where he, he, he gets more losses than he should. Um, but I don't know. Maybe maybe you'll get to stretch out G-Man. Yeah, maybe that'll be the the big payoff there. Um, I suppose another big note from the show, uh, Millie McKenzie uh, went over Charlie Evans defending her uh, Sendai Girls Junior title, but that led to a bit of a big announcement, uh, Fight Club Pro announcing that uh, Sendai Girls are coming to the UK. I think the show's called Sendai UK on the 27th of July. Uh, it's in Manchester, which is a bit of an odd one at the Academy. I believe there's a Fight Club Pro show the night before. Um, but yeah, coming over to do a legitimate Sendai Girls show. Uh, Miko's going to be there, Millie McKenzie. Uh, plenty of uh, the, the full uh, Sendai Girls roster coming over. Yeah, no, it's a, it, was a, it was a really big moment when they announced it. Um, 
I mean, it's a logical progression of what they've been doing. Fight Club Pro has got experience of playing host to uh, foreign promotions before. Mm. It's hosted Chikara. It did joint shows with Ring of Honor in the past. Mm. So it, it, it kind of, it's a, it's an obvious thing to do given that, you know, Sendai, uh, Sendai girls effectively, um, well, they were quite clear that Mika Satomura has been a big help in terms of getting the Korokan Hall show back in January. I think you're actually buying tickets through Sendai Girls. Mm. So, makes sense. Creates a crazy month for um, Joshi fans in the UK because the Wrestle Queendom show on the 30th of June, so it's less than a month before, is being co-promoted with Stardom. Interesting. So, um... So that's the, so. So basically, if you like Japanese women's wrestling, you're probably <laughs> going to get the major people on both shows. Mm. Does also raise a question: Does that mean we don't get Mika Satomura at Wrestle Queendom because she's on the last one? Mm, of course. Or will they save it for for Sendai for the Sendai Girl show? But yeah, no, mm. that that should be awesome. And you know, they uh, Millie McKenzie and. Uh, Charlie Evans are out there for this tour along with Killer Kelly. Mm. So Sendai Girls are starting to use um, more Brits. There is actually um, who's done a few who who was a British who was active on the British scene, but now pretty much exclusively does Sendai Girls. Uh, a woman called Heidi, mm. who is uh, yeah, it's amazing she's not been picked up by WWE because she's like this tall blonde glamazon type. Uh, character so there is like a british european influence in sending girls growing so yeah i'm really looking forward to that i'd be excuse to go up to manchester yeah there you go again you can call it a weekend though with fight club pro and you know manchester academy one you know isn't huge uh, as a venue um but you know it'll be interesting to see how they do uh, ticket wise for that um and how many people there are you know in the uk we were all you're somewhat shocked by you know New Japan doing what I believe it's five thousand tickets now for their for their show over here. Um, kind of shocking. Uh, maybe there's a you know a, there's a bigger uh, appetite uh, for a full Sendai Girls show than we thought. And yeah, you know Miko being over here so much and making friends everywhere she goes is uh, is probably going to help as well. But yeah, definitely an interesting show uh, coming up. Uh, but as well as that, Fight Club Pro have got uh, the Dream Tag Team Invitational coming up there. They're now yearly uh, tradition uh, of a tag tournament. Uh, that's coming up uh, later this month on the 19th of April in Wolverhampton. Uh, then the 20th of April also in Wolverhampton. And then they're in Manchester then on the Sunday. So uh, a couple of uh, stops in Manchester uh, this year for Fight Club Pro slash the uh, Fight Club Pro Associated Promotions. But... Well, this thing is looking stacked. I've already uh, spoken to you. Uh, I'm definitely coming down. Uh, the Wolverhampton uh, day one's got the Lucha Brothers against uh, Park and Aita, Hallow Wicked and Frightmare against uh, Brooks and Fletcher. But that day two that they've announced so far, Will Ospreay and Ray Phoenix. I mean, as far as a, a singles dream match goes, that was the match that convinced me. Yep, I'm getting in my car and I'm I'm driving down the M6. Uh, also, Pack and Kyle Fletcher on that day, which. With this heel, Kyle Fletcher, it'll be interesting to see how he, he goes up against you know, uh, what I would assume would be also a, a heavy heel pack. And 
also DTTI matches in Jody and Johnny, as you mentioned earlier, against LAX. They will. I saw uh, combinations of that uh, in Manchester uh, for wrestling media con, and yeah, as you said, Jody and Johnny um, are definitely uh, still able to go. So that'll be great to see. Uh, the Chris brothers are going to be on that show again against the uh, the winners of a, a tag four way in, in in New York that we'll be talking about late, lately. Probably Team White Wolf, but I guess we'll see. My God, that thing's looking stacked uh, that day too, especially. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you've also got to remember is, is that Will Ospreay is confirmed for all three days. Mm. So there's there's still other match, and he's not in the tournament. So other matches add him on to the show. Mm. Uh, I no, I always look forward to DDTI. I went I went to the first the first night, which had the British Strong Style versus Elite. Yep, I was there too. Uh, 2017 2018 had a very was a was probably the busiest star works was was, was ever um mm-hmm. i think le- legitimately over 800 people crammed into like star works was huge and it felt cramped mm-hmm. which was the only time star works ever felt cramped because it was such a big space mm-hmm. and that had a really a really fun brooks satamora match mm-hmm. and this i mean usually the ddti matches aren't the highlight of night one mm-hmm. And with the matches they've already announced, it's going to take something to kind of one up. You know, particularly Lucha, you know, the Lucha Brothers interacting with Pac, that's going to get people going, and that's going to be one of the few times where Pac's heel character will work because Penta in the UK, because Penta and Phoenix are so popular um, that people will be lapping up all Pac's uh, dastardly bastard ways. The one thing. I'm curious of back in 2017, you had the obviously the tag team tournament, but the other thing that was kind of the spine of the weekend was Travis Banks, who had just won the title the month before, doing three defenses in three days. And I wonder whether they do do that with Mark Davis um, as a way of establishing him as champion. And if they do, Mark Davis with Osprey would be a match I'd be very, very keen to see because I think that could be something quite spectacular. Oh, there's loads of fresh things you could do with Mark Davis in a singles role. I mean, we've seen yep. we've seen it in limited form. You know, seeing him in, against Walter in progress. Um, that is one thing. I mean, coming out of of the uh, international Tekken show and going into this big weekend, uh, that is something interesting you can do something fresh you can do with a with a mark davis on top interesting that you know the schadenfreude the heel stable that's kind of taken over fight club pro chris brooks is, is the de facto leader but uh putting the title on on a, on a davis is kind of a a step to the left that i wasn't expecting i was expecting him to be in this tournament um, and be in the dtti instead chris brooks is, is teaming with kyle fletcher himself uh, but yeah, it gives you avenue, doesn't it, to do big attraction matches? And yeah, I wouldn't be against an Osprey match for sure. And, and that team as well is interesting, right? Because I mean, Lycos is back, mm. um, but it seems like he's pacing himself for this uh, good idea, this return. And like last time, where he was doing matches all over the place. Sure. Um, so, but I think Fletcher and uh, Brooks could really gel uh, it's a team i'm really looking to see just how they how they come together so yeah no it's always a great weekend um and i think i'll touch wood actually be able to go to all three for the first time so you that, the first time i went to one mm. the next time i went to two so i think this time i'll finally get to go to all three mm. the really fascinating thing about these is is astonishingly where you think about what fight club pro 
um, is and um, who is one of the co-owners, this is going up against WWE UK up in Glasgow. Wow, on the same day, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's the the Glasgow tapings weekend, isn't it? Um, yeah, I guess we won't have a, when tr- won't have Trent backstage for this one, but it kind of shows you, doesn't it, that outside of that WWE system, I mean, I, I saw some people complaining that there's a lot of fly-ins here in the lineup. I mean, I the only team I, I, I could maybe you know leave Hallowicked and Fright Bear. I'm not a Shakara fan, so. You know, maybe you could slot some kind of European team in there. I heard mention of teams like JFK, maybe, uh, maybe do something like that. But all in all, I think think... they've done a good job of making it interesting. And it is an invitational tag, so I don't so much mind flying for this. But also, as well, it's like it's, I mean, we'll talk about progress in a minute, but you also have to, you have to judge each promotion on what it is. So, like, yeah, like I'm not a huge Shakara fan, but. The guys who run Fight Club Pro are, and the Shakara thing has always been part of the kind of like the promotions. Well, for a long time, it's been part of the promotions DNA. So, like, you can complain that we'd want a better team, but I don't think you can complain it's not true to Fight Club. Mm. Um, in a weird way, the team of the lineup, the team that you kind of makes you stand back and say that's a bit of an odd choice for Fight Club Pro, is actually the two Brits. It'd be actually be. Uh, uh, Johnny and Jody, mm-hmm, yeah, just because they have no they, they have no connection to the promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so like to me, it's like you know most of these guys, um, in terms of the foreigners, have have a connection to yeah. Fight Club Pro. You know, Luke, the, the Lucha Brothers were in the first DDTI, they were meant to be in the second, but Penta didn't make his flight. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we talked about Nightmare and Shikawa. The OWE group is aligned with Sammy Callahan, who's always involved, who always comes over for these. Um, you know, LEX maybe, but LEX, you know, I've got so many plaudits on the UK scene. Makes an obvious pick for Ringer. Yeah, they're going to come in and kill it, aren't they? That's that's what they do. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, I had some minor complaints, but really, I mean, I think it'd be nice to have like a you know, a homegrown, you know, team that, that are just bubbling under from the UK that you can slot in. You know, I had names like, you know, uh, Maverick and Mayhew, you know, I just, but I don't see it. I think, you know, I, I do think it seems likely uh, that coming out of uh, the New York weekend, Team White Wolf are going to be in there. They'd probably be the team if, you know, you wanted, I suppose, going forward to establish somebody to have a, a good run in a tournament like this and, and make them, you know, a staple of Fight Club Pro go- shows going forward, you can do. But again, yeah, I think you're right. This I've heard you describe Fight Club Pro as kind of the PWG of, uh, of the UK in some ways. And yeah, they're kind of, they're, to, for me, they're delivering what the, what the people want. And it's gotten yeah. it's gotten me out. It's gotten me to two of their shows. And it's been, uh, been quite a while since I've, I could say that. So they've, uh, they've certainly sold at least one ticket. Just to go back to me, I'm not so sure it'd be White Wolf. I mean, it would. It, it makes sense in the sense of uh, Carlos Romo is uh, based in Wolverhampton, mm. but I could see any four of those teams. So the four teams, so the final spot, the four teams I can go up for it are the Rascals, mm. the Besties, who are the current champions, yep. White Wolf, and Session Juice. And like, any of those teams have like have enough of a pedigree. Like It's like, mm. it'd actually be difficult for me to pick. Yeah, it'd be difficult for me to pick who'd be the one you'd want because, I mean, Session Juice wouldn't necessarily give you the great action, mm. but they'd give you the great comedy stuff. And the stuff they did back in December with Martina and Orange Cassidy was very funny. Mm. Um, 
with the and the other three are all great in the ring and all get over in the crowd. And actually, the matches I've seen of the three of them in Fight Club Pro, I say White Wolf had the least connection with the crowd. Um, I mean, that may be because they don't, um, particularly the best is they help so much with their theme song. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I honestly, I could not predict to you which one of those, like the one I personally would go for is session, session juice, mm. just because I think there'd be some funny comedy, uh, to do, um, particularly given up, they are up against like Sammy Callahan's like nasty, um, you know, nasty stable mates. That, that could be quite a funny, uh, contrast, mm. but it could be any of them. Yeah, I take, I take all of them coming over. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd add those four teams to to what looks already like a like a stacked three nights a car of shows. Then, yeah, I'd absolutely take it. So, yeah, I guess we'll more about that later. But we'll guess we'll see after Mania weekend. And yeah, Fight Club Pro, lots going on at the moment. I mean, one other note I was going to make, and it leads in nicely to our next segment, is that they've got a another joint show coming up with White Wolf Wrestling, um, coming up on the twenty third of June in Madrid. Uh, White Wolf Wrestling, obviously, uh, being home to Team uh, White Wolf, specifically home to AK, who last year at their Total Rumble 8 show uh, had a really highly regarded match with Zack Sabre Jr., a match that Dave Meltzer himself gave five stars, although he does throw those things around uh, quite liberally these days, but still very impressive for a kid from Madrid to uh, to get a rating like that, and this time round, this year in the, in 2019, uh, White Wolf Wrestling uh, with their Total Rumble Nine show, not to not to uh, to rest on the laurels of uh, a try to outdo themselves. They had the Will Osprey and A Kid match that they put up for free on their YouTube last night uh, that you can find and you can you can still view now. Um, they put that out there for the world to see, and absolutely the right move because yeah, this thing is getting a lot of buzz. Maybe not quite the buzz that the Zack Sabre match got, quite yes, but it's only been 24 hours, but absolutely incredible match and really uh, a testament to, to both men, you know, the, the potential that A-Kid's got and also, you know, Osprey is almost like his veteran now. He seems to love going over to, uh, to new territories and working with the local guy and doing what AJ Styles and, and in some ways Okada did for him back in the day. Um, yeah, absolutely incredible match and one that I'd definitely say uh, people should check out, Will. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wonder, was it the wrong week to release it with everybody mm. gearing up for Mania? Did that kind of squash its spurs? Yeah. But great match. Um, it, it, it almost makes me feel like sometimes um, Osprey New Japan, because of some of the rules they have, he almost has to slow himself down and hold back because they don't tend to give the uh, junior heavyweights long long matches, particularly in main events. They don't like so much to do the crazy kick-out spots. Mm. But that, that five minutes was absolutely frenetic. They, they're going for everything. They're kicking out of everything. It's, mm. it's just fantastic. And some of, the, like, some of the really clever stuff they did like with each other's hands and some of, some of the reversals, oh. like it's really, really good stuff. Mm. There was that spot, wasn't there, where Osprey was going for uh, the Oz cutter and A-Kid kind of jumps under so osprey's going to springboard on the second rope and ak kind of jumps underneath him and germans him as he's going out of the ring just so much great innovation you could tell osprey was having the time of his life in there like i say he was even threw in like a, a note that he threw in like a rainmaker there was a stars clash in there he loves yep. being 
not not quite the veteran at this point, but being you know no longer being the young boy that's uh, that's uh, looking good in matches with the likes of AJ Styles and Okada, but instead you know being the veteran who's who's having the the blowaway match with the with the other you know with the new young up and coming guy, and he just looked like he absolutely loved being in there, just doing like you say the last five minutes were absolutely insane. I was enjoying the match already, but when it got to those last five minutes and they went you know double speed, I think there was six stars chance coming from the Madrid crowd. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a, a throwback to what those two guys did for Osprey and just a really you know, great innovative innovative match and great to see Osprey in there. You know, being in there with a with a flyer who's maybe not quite as as equal in a kid, but also being the veteran in the match when he wanted to be wanted to be too. He kind of uh, had his cake and uh, and ate it too in this thing. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and it had like this is not the first time people have said it. White Wolf just looks like a cool place to watch wrestling. Mm. It's got to be next on the uh, on the list for uh, a lot of people. As far as wrestling weekenders go, well, I mean, me and you were both in Germany, uh, but uh, I don't know. I think Madrid's probably uh, maybe a little bit more attractive than Oberhausen. Yeah, I mean, I um, it's why I'm trying to find out whether there's like a pure um, White Wolf show the, the Saturday before the joint show with Fight Club because mm-hmm. if that's like a weekender, I'd I'd be sorely tempted to go. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I could just go and look around Madrid, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I suppose like you don't need quite as many shows to entice people to go to Madrid as you do to go to Oberhaus. <laughs> I've got to be honest, though. To be honest, uh, well, last time I went to Madrid, I, I did get my wallet stolen. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if I could do with those kind of shenanigans. Hopefully, that wouldn't happen though if I went back. <laughs> but yeah, fun match. Absolutely worth checking out. Uh, freebie on YouTube and really wise to do. Like you say, the timing will isn't perfect. Uh, it being WrestleMania weekend, there is a danger of it getting lost in the in the shuffle of the other great things that are going to come up this week. But yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to it because yeah, it's twenty odd minutes of your time. And again, it's absolutely worth it um, just to see some of the exchanges between these two and get to see, you know, A-Kid, I wouldn't really say he's a secret anymore, you know, having that Zack Sabre match last year, but he is still someone who's on the up. You know, the the look maybe quite isn't there yet. I'm not so sure on the on the trunks and boots look for him, but those types of things will come along later. And there's obviously a lot of potential there. So it's uh, definitely an opportunity for, for, uh, for people to get on the ground floor, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think, the question will be is who's going to be the first bigger promotion to really go with Aikid as a single? Because mm. I, I think I think cause I actually saw Collius Romo at Fight Forever, and I really enjoyed his match. You no, know, it, it wasn't a particularly long match. He was against um, a local wrestler, mm. um, and obviously Aikid is having these great singles matches. And I don't think they ever quite hit these heights as Team White Wolf. Like they're not bad by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. We do just wonder: is there more in these guys as singles? And will a Rev Pro WXW actually commit to a kid? Mm. Yeah. Um, as as a single as a single guy, because like it's quite amazing. Um, it's quite amazing, actually. Um, how few shows he's got for Mania Weekend. Mm. Like, I don't, I don't think he's on the Rev Pro show. So it's like, you'd think some people would be trying to capture... I mean, maybe that's why they released it today, trying to get him some... Uh, this week, trying to get him a few last-minute bookings. 
fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, I think uh, again, match absolutely worth checking out. And yeah, the, again, a wrestler to keep an eye on in a kid um, and, and a wrestler who yeah, I don't think this will be the last uh, that we talk about him on this show. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, next up, then, well, we were going to talk uh, briefly just because there's been some news uh, about progress. Um, I mean, usually we we try to avoid spoilers, but if anyone is uh, sensitive to spoilers from Chapter 87, which took place this last weekend, uh, maybe uh, skip ahead a couple of minutes because there's some news coming out of that uh, tied into Super Strong Style as as well as what looks like a a departure uh, from the promotion as well that that we should get into. But yeah, Progress's um, last three chapters have kind of taken place since the the last time uh, we had a show, Will, and it's just... You know, the, the, the two chapters uh, in Bournemouth and Birmingham, not a huge amount going on uh, as far as shows and as far as news, a couple of uh, super strong style qualifiers. But this last show uh, this past weekend uh, had a bit of news coming out of it. Uh, Will Ospreay uh, seems to be the man who is uh, done with progress again. Is he boy who Clive Wolf? He's said this five or six times before, I think, uh, which came after Aussie Open. Uh, won the progress tag titles in the in the TLC match uh, with him and uh, and Paul Robinson um that's kind of interesting as as far as headlines go cuz I, I really I mean I'm interested to see the match I'm interested to see you know Aussie Open are the you know as we we wax lyrical about them earlier uh, it makes sense for Progress to want to go with them but yeah I thought Osprey and Robinson were, were big highlights of uh, of Progress these uh, these last few months so a bit of a shame to see Osprey gone yeah I mean it's been a brilliant run that kind of came out of nowhere. And, mm. but I don't think Osprey's been a revelation as a heel because we all know he can be a great heel. Mm. But this team gelling so well after not teaming for so long and having been a like a babyface team for most of their, for pretty much all, all of their initial run, um, they've just been great and they've really gelled. They've done some really interesting um, dual team moves and stuff like that. It's really given Osprey something to sink his teeth into because that's it's always a challenge when you're a British promotion mm. booking a big star who's doing his more meaningful stuff in Japan or America. How do you give the stuff he does for you meaning? And mm. you know, we criticize Progress's booking a lot and I'll do it a bit more later, <laughs> but they, they, they really meant it that there was a reason to watch Osprey in progress because he was doing something different. And it wasn't it wasn't different bad, it was different awesome. And so yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm interested that Paul Robinson is now being booked in Rev Pro. Um I'd I'd be down for Swords of Essex being added to that uh uh that tag division. That would mm. be fun. Oh I'd take uh, but yeah it's it's been a lot of good and it's it's really helped Robinson get some momentum coming off his return, coming off that Havoc match, like Robinson now feels like a big deal and he's mm. probably one of the obvious guys to, to do well in Super Strong Style when we get to talking about it. Mm. Oh, definitely, yeah. I, I'd do that if Osprey, you know, again, is apparently left and Boy Who Cried Wolf, he has done it a couple of times, uh, said he's gone. Uh, I'm guessing I'm guessing it's political. Uh, no one's outright said it, but I did see OTT in a Q&A on Twitter talking about, uh, somebody asked them about, uh, are we going to get Devil and Osprey coming up? And they said they, were, they weren't able to book that, uh, that combination 
uh, presumably it being a, a WWE guy in Devlin versus a New Japan guy with a belt in Osprey. Um, you know, it's tough to uh, to put guys uh, over Osprey, so there are politics on that side as well. But yeah, I'd certainly take a, a Paul Robinson a big run in Super Strong style because that's kind of the other big story coming out of these uh, these last couple of progress shows. Uh, again, uh, hopefully we'll uh, review this last one in a, in a bit more detail on our le- our next show. But yeah, David Starr qualified for the Super Strong style with a win over Connor Mills. Lucky Kid, uh, who me and you got to see uh, again in Oberhausen, will uh, qualify for the tournament with a win over Tristan Archer. But it's making for quite a stack field. Jordan Devlin, Travis Banks, Trevor Lee, you know him from WWE, uh, Aerostar, Daga, Artemis Spencer, don't know if you're aware of him, uh, from Defy, um, based in Seattle, Chris Ridgway in there as well, uh, Chris Brooks, and like I say, the aforementioned Paul Robinson, DJZ, Darby Allen, and Ilya Dragunov making up the the rest of the field. Uh, quite a an interesting field, uh, and it was interesting enough until uh, we got one more addition today, and in, in the form of Kyle O'Reilly, um, yeah, the uh, the big brother of uh, WWE, certain, uh, certainly lending uh, progress a hand uh, with a couple of names uh, in that field so far. Yeah, no, it's it's a really interesting lineup, and um. I was always going to go down Super Strong style because I'll have to watch it. And the thought of waiting three weeks to actually watch the whole tournament. Ah, It's 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 three shows, isn't it? So it's five to seven days times three. (laughs) Yeah. It would just be too depressing. Like, I I am more forgiving of taking a week to get shows up. But it's the fact that if they have two two or three shows back to back, Mm. You, it's five to seven days in between each that gets me. Well, even um, even one like this week, like we're recording a show today on Wednesday. Um, obviously, the show we we were just mentioned and there happened on Sunday. It's going to release in in five to seven days, which is going to be slap bang in the middle of WrestleMania, WrestleMania <laughs> yes. weekend. Uh, so you will, even with just the one, you fall into problems too. Well, do you think they'll actually be able to get it out? Those guys are busy, so mm. I, I think they may actually slip behind their five to seven days on that one. Um, mm. Um, you know, maybe New York hotels are better Wi-Fi. Uh, <laughs> well, they're not cheap. <laughs> um, but um, so yeah, so it's a really interesting lineup. I think you'll have an interesting uh, first night. Mm. The thing I am worried about is because so many of the people are not just they are the flies in the truest sense, in the sense of they are not affiliated with promotion. How on earth do you create something to fill night two? Mm. In the sense of, you know, you'll have eight people who lose on the first night. I'm not seeing many plausible routes to give these guys meaningful matches on night two. Mm. And so you then just get a lot of meaningless multi-person matches. Yeah, throwaways where Chuck Mambo can take the fall. That's probably the direction they'll go, especially with Walter Trent Seven being the main event of that second night. Because that, that, that's the issue I had with Super Strong Style when, uh, when I went last year, which is night two, you just had a lot of stuff that wasn't meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that, you know, DDTI are doing in terms of using the fact that they split up their first round to do all these dream matches that you're hyped for in advance. WXW do it by having storylines and feeding guys into matches that mean something in storyline i just don't see how progress does it and i don't think the guys they've got are big enough names where you can think like oh well 
that guy and that guy. That'd be a dream match mm. for later later in the uh, in the tournament. So that's the one thing I worry about. But yeah, I mean, it, it'd be fun. Like, it's a fun, quirky lineup. Mm. It's it is interesting. I mean, a lot of people are making a point. Progress used to be a storyline promotion. It used to be a promotion about pushing British guys. Yeah. It used to be promotion quite proud of <laughs> not using outsiders. Oh, someone bit someone dug up a tweet I saw that today of uh, of them saying they'd <laughs> rather run a super strong style with with British talent rather than filling it with fly-ins. But I don't know, needs must to be honest. Uh, you know, Progress as much as you know they have that relationship with WWE, they're not in the same position of you know say a Rev Pro or even a Fight Club Pro where you're having to stretch and find you talent but they're kind of in a weird position in that they can use some WWE guys but they need to in some ways make freshen up progress and and make a tournament like this interested and to be honest it's grabbed my interest you know similar to what we were saying about DTTI um having you know the flyings that they've got here even you know down to you know the likes of DJZ coming into a little bit weird. He was on those Bournemouth and Birmingham shows and didn't make a huge impression for me. Uh, the, the likes of you know the the, the likes of uh, Trevor Lee being in there. You know, someone who WWE whenever so so many progress were not ever using until WWE snapped them up. I mean, uh, more to the point, bringing in Kyle O'Reilly. I mean, yeah, he's someone. Will uh, you you were saying to me someone who's a uh, who's never he's been over in the UK. Progress never booked him. You know, he was yeah. over. He was doing Rev Pro. He did some OTT. Progress were never interested. Um, obviously, he's a star in NXT now, and let's not underestimate. You know, that's a, that's a good guy. He's someone who can obviously go in the ring and has got to improve the tournament, and he's probably, you know, going to sell a couple of tickets. Uh, but, yeah, certainly interested that he's in there. Yeah, I mean, that's my thing. Is like, like, I'm all up for seeing him. I've never seen him live, so I'm... All on board seeing Kyle O'Reilly, you know, Redragon were always great. Stuff he's been doing as far as Undisputed Era is great. It's just a thing of, like, for us who aren't overly invested in progress, this, this is fine. But, like, if I was somebody who was really invested in the storylines, I'd be, like, a bit miffed that, say, why is somebody from DNR mm. not in this lineup? Mm. How is How is this going to forward the storylines? moving on to the next shows mm. but i'm not overly invested so i don't care i'm just gonna go <laughs> and watch a bunch of really fun matches which a bunch of you know wacky fly-ins have got from all over the world mm. the one point on djz i think is an interesting one because it could also be as well you know the guys have just changed you know the three mates you know in the sense of they've done all these american tours they've kind of made friends in the american scene in the same way that Back in the day, the likes of Quilden or the Fight Club Pro guys had those relationships. And so now they're just a bit more open-minded about bringing people in. So yeah. I'm sure a lot of it is needs must. But, you know, someone like DJC, a lot of the shows they did as part of the Coast to Coast Tour mm. were in association with the fight. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, leading on those relationships, I suppose they they are. And yeah, you mentioned uh, do not resuscitate. There will, uh, yeah, they're not in the tournament, but they've been announced for a, an eight man with Mark Haskins, Jimmy Havoc, Mark Andrews, and Legero. I'm sure you can't wait for that one. Um, I mean, just briefly on, <laughs> yeah, that's a match. Sorry. It's just Legero. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Eddie Dennis is injured, so I expect he was supposed to be in there. I mean, that was a big through line of their last couple of chapters has been this feud. And, you know, there were, on chapter 85, there was a big brawl with a, a Jimmy Havoc dive that people have probably seen off the side of that very lovely looking building um, as he was t- teaming up with Haskins and Eddie Dennis against the Do Not Resuscitate lot. But, yeah, this is kind of where the feud has come, come to. And, yeah, for those of us who were holding out hope that... Uh, it might be the making of a Spike Trevay, um, or it might even be the making of a, of a Chuck Mambo. Um, yeah, neither of them are, uh, are in this tournament, and in, instead, uh, and Chuck Mambo as well, considering his, his show in last year in Super Strong Style, um, they're in this uh, this eight man tag as well. Um, yeah, I'm very interested in the in the in the tournament lineup, but not so interested in that match. Yeah, I mean, um, I will I will once again take my victory lap when I when I point out that I told you that I hated this DNA. <laughs> And our idea from the start. Will was uh, right. Um, because I just never understood it because, like, Mambo and Trevay have such clear characters mm. that to kind of force them into this new blood um, type angle was always going to obliterate what made them unique and special. Mm. And and I, th- and I think it's a big issue with Trevay. I, I don't think – I think that Trevay runs a risk of becoming a new for TK Cooper because he doesn't seem to protect himself very mm. much mm. in the sense of he just – he does like at the Rev Pro Northampton show, he wasn't booked for a match, but he came out as like to hold Cooper back, almost mm. like his second in like the post-match brawl. He was in like – he had a weird cameo um, – in being the elite um as kind of like kip sabian's confidant it's like oh, yeah. and not this is not the stuff you do with your star like oh he was just, just some geek baby face wasn't he he was just yeah any old person yeah that's kind of been my problem with him and you know tk cooper's the ideal kind of comparison to him in that in that somebody who could have been something in progress but never seemed to kind of i don't know like you say, protect himself, and yeah, you know, seeing seeing Spike Trevay on that on that chapter a, a couple of months ago, where he was doing you know comedy spots with uh, paying trainees to do dives for him, and and things like that um, don't really work for me when you when you're trying to project yourself as the leader of this this serious group, and yeah, maybe that goes uh, some way towards uh, why I'm not very excited for this eight man. Um, and it's it's a good gimmick. The toy boy gimmick is a good gimmick, but I don't. Th- I think he's almost like. He's gone into a certain level, and now he doesn't know how to turn it into like a mm. main event gimmick mm. outside of small shows. Um, so yeah, so I, I do worry about Trevay because like his his mic work is great, and he's not terrible in the ring by any stretch of imagination. He's, he's perfectly fine, mm. but I think he needs to hold himself as a main eventer more. Absolutely. Yeah, but I suppose if Trevay was, to be honest, even if he was in that super strong style lineup, I would be picking him as a potential winner. I don't know if you want to, uh, we've we've had this conversation before, that if you're any closer to picking someone now, we've got a, a bigger lineup. I mean, they seem to be setting up Jordan Devlin um, as a guy in progress. Uh, he beat Austin Theory on Chapter 85 to get into it. He main evented Chapter 86 in a six-man opposite uh, the new South Pacific power trip in uh, TK Cooper, Niwar, and, uh, and Travis Banks. Banks and Devlin, you know, there are a lot of fly-ins in, in this tournament. They're two you know, uh, two men who are going to be around in progress, it feels like, at least for the foreseeable future, and two guys that'll probably be key in their booking. Uh, for me, there can I think one of those two is my uh, pick for who's going to win it. But uh, are you any closer to uh, to picking who it might be? 
it's a really difficult one as well because um, so we've got the Walter Trent match unified a title and I, I can't see it. I mean I've I predict four out of the last zero uh, Walter title uh, losses. Mm. Um, so <laughs> I've got four for I've got form for predicting to lose this this uh, progress title, but I, I really. I really do struggle to see him. This is like a repeating it. segment on the show. This will every time yes. we have you on. This is the week <laughs> it's happening. He's losing that belt. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like Trent as champion would make sense, and it makes sense kind of the same way Devlin and Banks being around makes sense in the sense of these are like the almost like the underutilized WWE UK guys, mm. um, and it's a kind of a platform for them to do um, other stuff. I don't like Devlin still to me doesn't feel like a progress guy. Like they've never given him anything that doesn't make him feel like a visiting guest star in terms of a storyline. It hasn't helped that his big feud has been this Banks feud, which feels weird because they're doing the same thing in NXT UK with the dynamic flipped. Um, so maybe, I mean, it would make sense because he had such good showing um, at last year's tournament and that really helped him turn a corner with English fans. Mm. Um, I, see, I I mean, I I think I'd be interested to see Paul Robinson, see what he, particularly if, so, 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 the point I was going to make is that if Trent wins, I could have easily seen Trent be like the transitional champion to Eddie, De- Ed, Eddie Dennis. But if Dennis is out for a while and the, and Trent has to keep the title till September, what do you do then? Um, yeah, yeah. either Banks, I mean, Dragunov is another potential. They want to kind of give him some exposure to British audience. I think Rob, if you had Trent as champion, Trent Robinson, mm. like this dastardly heel, just kind of making poor Trent's life a misery, that might be fun. Mm. Um, I mean, so the other question is, who do you think will be the 16th, uh, 16th yeah. person? That's it. We have 15 so far. Kyle O'Reilly being kind of the 15th of of the 16. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. There isn't really, again, uh, I would have thought there, there would have been a spot for maybe Eddie Dennis going forward, although he might have been in that eight-man with Do Not Resuscitate. But yeah, him being out, I don't really know, unless it's another outsider. I mean, it's a... You know, you might have been able to predict this this time last year, but, you know, with names like Artemis Spencer, Aerostar, and Dagger in it this year, it literally could be anybody, couldn't it, with, the, with progress at the moment? Have they, they've not announced Mark Andrews for anything, have they? Or is he in the eight-man? He's in the eight-man, yeah, yeah. Paul Mark Andrews. See, I'd love Gibson. Mm. Like, and, and if they put Gibson in the tournament, I'd say, for much the same rationale as... Uh, Paul Robinson, let let Gibson win and let him have a run as a heel champion. Um, I mean, it's got to be someone big yeah. because just even it's the 16th. So it's either a WWE UK guy or a fly-in. Mm. But I'm struggling to think. Of, I mean, unless it's someone like Gibson, I'm struggling to think of anybody. Yeah, I could see it being Gibson, you know, playing off what they did last year with the, him and James Drake uh, both wanting to be in the tournament and they, they, they played that for comedy, didn't they, with... Uh, with Joey Janela, um, it being one of the members. I could see them going back to that again, but yeah, uh, I guess we'll see. But yeah, it's shaping up uh, quite interesting again, even if the, the last couple of chapters uh, haven't been up to much as far as newsworthy stuff. Um, 
the chapter, you know, from this Sunday does look interesting. I'm really excited to see the actual TLC match with Osprey and Robertson against Aussie Open. Um, and yeah, excited to see uh, what else we get uh, in the build-up to Super Strong Style. But yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking more about that on our next episode. Uh, but Will, uh, perfect segue. Uh, you mentioned NXT UK there. Um we uh, recorded this on a, on a Wednesday evening. We thought we'd hang on for uh, NXT UK's uh, big go-home episode. Uh, last week, the the big story was Walter and Pete Dunne and their, uh, their big contract signing. Uh, a really effective segment. And then uh, this week, uh, there wasn't really a huge amount going on for, uh, for a go-home WrestleMania week show. There was nothing going on. I mean, it was... It felt like a troll job. It felt like they had got their weeks messed up or something because they were primarily building up the next week's match between uh, Ginny and Tony Storm. Um, there was like a f- thrown together video package at the very end to hype the main event. But other than that, there was absolutely nothing. It was quite bizarre. Like I thought at the very least you just have a bunch of um, WWE UK guys doing like, who do you think's gonna win backwards and forwards? You know mm. that old that old classic of uh, promos. Or if we're doing but the this... tropes, you know, we got at the big contract signing angle. So go to the big pull up ball brawl angle. You know, have have someone arrested like Becky Lynch on Raw this week. <laughs> uh, you could have done that. You know, had the two of them fighting in the back of a of a British police car rather than an American one. Uh, no, we got none of that. Really strange. I mean, I think I think you're onto something there. I think the answer is that. Uh, maybe they didn't expect to be airing that, that one this week. It felt like the show that should be airing after TakeOver. Yeah. Um, I even questioned myself whether there was going to be a show because they've done that with NXT proper before where the you know the show isn't isn't always uh, canon the week before it's more of a you know highlights and build up which i believe actually is what's happening this week for in the build to build to take over but yeah it was just really really throwaway and yeah maybe uh all fool us uh for will for uh for staying up and watching it um well, for... you you paid me <laughs> <laughs> sorry will uh but yeah journalistic integrity we've got to uh, keep up to date with the uh the biggest uh tv show in brit res but yeah i mean uh last week's show i think was definitely the more but noteworthy uh mainly just for that walter and and pete dunn angle like you say the video package this week did did the job of uh explaining you know pete dunn being champion for so long it had some footage of walter in wxw uh coming in and, and being the new monster um but again it's been very tropey that, that their feud uh lots of the typical wwe stuff but as far as wwe shtick goes the contract signing last week was effective for what it was in that you know it, it was short and it was to the point yeah i mean is it like i didn't think done did brilliantly in that contract signing. Um, he struggles to say the bruiser mates, um, and it looked convincing, <laughs> which is on him because it wasn't like no, he was the one who came up with the gimmick, not WWE. <laughs> um, but, but I thought Walter was great. Mm. Um, I thought Walter, like somebody on Twitter was saying, like, will will Americans know Walter? Mm. And it's like I. I I think you have to be careful not to exaggerate how many people know him. But he's such an archetype. Mm. No, he's such like, no, the walking stereotype of that kind of Germanic bad guy from Second World War films that (laughs) even if you've never seen him before, you know him. 
and like his whole and like just little things like when he gets the microphone and he calls he calls them Peter. That was great. just it felt like felt real. Mm. Um, I don't, like, don't look at me that way. Don't look at me. And the thing like you could easily put Walter on the main roster, and if they let him cut promos like this, it'd be fine. Um, because he it, it just suits his character down to the ground. And it has to be said, he was very dapperly dressed. <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely looked good. Uh, Pete was kind of in his uh, typical attire. Uh, probably needs to buy a new scarf and coat at this point. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I like that about the, about the segment though as well. They didn't, you know, they, they unlike what, I think my worry would be Walter on a main roster where they're probably not going to play to his strengths. In this environment, they play to his strengths and let him talk, but minimally. I think that was that's the best thing to do with Pete Dunn. Maybe he talked a little bit too much in this uh, in this segment, which might be a slight problem. Uh, but all in all, yeah, I like that they effectively use both of them. And they've, you know, again, it might be pain by numbers booking, and it's not been hugely exciting to watch uh, week to week. Uh, but all in all, I think they've done a, a solid job of building the match. And to your point, you know, Walter, I think. Even if nobody uh, in that already very receptive NXT audience knew him, one chop and he'll have them in the palm of his hand, literally. Uh, he's he's going to be over, and I think the match is going to be over. I think they're both, again, it's been a while since I've seen a killer Pete Dog match, uh, but they're both going to be out there with something to prove, aren't they? And that crowd is going to be willing for it to be good. And, you know, the people who, who know Walter uh, are going to be into it, and anyone who doesn't, I think, yeah, are going are gonna to catch up pretty quickly. And also, it'll be helped by the fact that it's not the main event, so they won't be made to go too long. I mean, mm. I don't know about you, I'd be surprised if it goes much more than 20 minutes, mm. maybe even just 20, because of where it's probably going to be on the card. So, mm. yeah, it's one of the matches I'm most looking forward to. Absolutely. Um, uh, I mean, before we go into the, the, the big weekend, is there any, any other notes you've got from NXT UK? Uh, I mean, this, I mentioned the feud not being hugely built well, but at least it's got something to aim for. The rest of the roster does feel quite, feel quite aimless. We've got a Tony Storm genie feud bubbling that they're going to be uh, paying off next week. Uh, Kaylee Ray's uh, on the show now uh, looking good and, and winning clean. There's, you know, Grizzled Young Veterans are filling time. I mean, we mentioned a killer, Zach Gibson promo earlier. It was another good promo on NXT UK this week, but it really did feel like he was just out there for five minutes just to fill a bit of the the hour block. Um, although they are doing something relatively interesting with uh, with Kenny Williams and Amir Jordan. Uh, any of that to float your boat or capture your interest? Um, yeah, I, I like the Grizzled Dream Veterans, but I do. I still feel like it was a mistake not to put the title on Mustache Mountain because... They clearly ran into the issue that they had no other baby faces. Whereas if you just put the title on Mustache Mountain, you could have immediately segued into um, a feud of European Union. Because mm. European Union are easily uh, one of the best things on oh, yeah. the on, well, And that, Mustache Mountain versus... versus mm. Sorry, go. Oh, no, I was just going to say, their, their tag with uh, with Kenny and Amir Jordan, you know, a, a solid TV match, but a lot of fun. Yeah, they, they've got a... There's definitely uh, something there with that uh, that European Union combo. Um, the one thing I do like about the WWE UK is we get the real Travis Banks. Mm. Uh, not, not this chicken shit heel in progress. We actually get, like, the fighting baby face. And it's so nice to see. It's like, because he's... Even now, like he's he's done a few things to Fight Club Pro, but he's not really being emphasised. Mm. So it's really nice to see him just be him, be the kind of character that got himself over in the UK, 
Um, I like this idea of the feud of Cassiusono, the stuff of Cassiusono talking about how he's a real British wrestling legend is is good stuff. So the presentation of Travis Banks, I I actually quite like. Mm. Yeah, I think that's it. And he's someone who, you know, he's kind of, he makes for, this is, I say that is the the typical and the right presentation of Travis Banks. Uh, He's always going to get over. He's someone who I'd love to see on a, on a proper takeover or, have something a bit uh, meatier to, to get his teeth into that we're going forward for. But yeah, I think those those kind of bright spots on NXT UK are kind of hamstrung by, again, the way the show is working, the fact that it's weekly, the fact that it's weekly with nothing to build to. I mean, there's rumour of a takeover in June. Um, I don't know if that's going to come to fruition as the potential York Hall date that was, was rumoured uh long ago um but yeah he's kind of typical of the presentation of nxt uk where i would like to see him get you know and he didn't get it um uh, on the last on the first uh, allegedly nxt uk takeover um he's someone who i'd like to see get a get a big moment like that at a big match because he's someone who could kill it like, like walter and pete um i don't know what would you make of those rumors by the way that uh, that alleged uh, june takeover Feels an awful long way away, doesn't it? Mm, Um, It doesn't soothe any of those problems, does it? No, I mean, they're they're downstairs. It would be weird because that would make June very hectic for them because they've got the three uh, they've got the three days of uh, shows in downloads. Mm. Um. So yeah, I think when when they were talking about April. That made more sense because obviously they have these glass to go tapings, and so it would have been around about the time you might want to bring things back. Mm. June, I do kind of struggle with just because of that thing of they have the three days worth of tapings in. Although maybe that's no, because download will start on a Friday as well. So yeah, I, I, I'll believe that when I see it. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's it's one of them. It would be good and it would be helpful because it would give a lot of this tea, TV a, a little bit more meaning. Um, but yeah, it seems a bit odd to to go to Walter Pete now if there was really a takeover. But then again, yeah, June is a couple of months away. Um, I guess we'll wait and see. But in the meantime, if you if you're really excited for NXT UK, uh, the guys are going to be out there for WrestleMania weekend. We're not going to be able to see them on the, on the big indie shows that are going on over the weekend, which we'll we'll talk about in a minute. Will, but uh, you're excited for the. NXT UK tapings that are happening uh, out in front of uh, an autograph collecting access crowd. We're going we're gonna to get another world to collide um, over the few days in access this weekend. Uh, I've, uh, there's a couple of cards that have come out. Uh, they're doing Cruiserweight to collide. Uh, Tyler Bates is going to be facing Brian Kendrick, the match you've always wanted to see. Uh, Tazawa, <laughs> interesting one, Akira Tazawa and Jordan Devlin, uh, given time and in front of an audience that maybe is an access, that's something I'm into. Um, ACH is, uh, and Grand Metalik, well, I think it was supposed to be a singles match, randomly got Liguero added to it. Uh, the UK guys are, are going to be busy over that weekend, they're doing another uh, Bram Battle Royal again, like the, the first uh, World Collide section, session, and there's even a, a Women Collide uh, session, I think it's, it's on the Monday. Uh, over access weekend with Tony Storm against Nikki Cross against Bianca Belair and Piper Niven against Selena Vega and uh, Candice LeRae against Kaylee Ray. Um, interesting one there. Uh, any of that uh, interest you all? If you were in town for uh, for Mania weekend, would you be heading out to Access to see uh, our NXT UK guys? Well, I think it's a thing. Isn't it? Like, like the, a lot of the matches are actually quite interesting. Like mm. the last one you mentioned, the Kaylee Ray 
uh, Candice LeRae. That that actually, if you put that pretty much anywhere in the UK, hmm. maybe not defiant. Um, I'd be up for watching that. Hmm. But we know it, it's going to be selfless. Um, and it's not going to be an enjoyable uh, viewing experience because of la- lack of atmosphere. Mm. And it's it's that weird thing where I, I don't know why, now that they want to do stuff like this, I, I struggle to understand why WWE can't get this right because, like, so many people are just looking for wrestling to watch during the day. Mm. If they could get a nice small venue to put the wrestling in, I don't see why they couldn't make it work because all these indie promotions are. And the, the talent they have now to throw at this is up there with anything mm. that WrestleCon or WWN Live or The Collective can boast. Um, it's it's very peculiar and it talks that thing of it just feels a bit throwaway last minute. It's just a way to placate the guys so they don't feel a bit useless not having a match during a weekend. That's it, yeah. And give them something to do. But like, there's enough here they could have done. A... Mm. Yeah, yeah, but like, there's enough here they could have done a fourth. They could have done a live special on Thursday. Oh, easy. You could easily, you could easily construct a match. Maybe take the NXT UK ma- uh, title match off Takeover. Maybe take the Cruiserweight uh, title match off the Mania pre-show. Have them as your top two matches, and then put up, put up some of the other uh, talent. You'd easily have done a four or five special. Um, Do you think tickets would sell yeah, for an NXT UK work. branded thing? I mean, access—they're all happening at access because people are going to be there already. Does it speak to maybe the confidence they'd have in an NXT UK? I mean, saying that with some of the the guff that's out there for Mania weekend, uh, if it was a small building, I think it, you know there's there's legs in doing something. Well, it's, it's that thing of like if they if they would have wanted MSG. Could you then get the ha- the, you know, the Hammerstein or the Manhattan Center, and then that's what you use for these uh, these matches? Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, um, it, it would fit the aesthetic of the the usual buildings they use for NXT UK as well, wouldn't it? Uh, somewhere like the Hammerstein. Yep. Uh, yeah, but instead, yeah, the the guys are again. I don't want to run that. Like you know, people hear those matches, and like you say, people think, "Oh, right, that's a really interesting match." Like you say, Tazawa versus Devlin. Bake versus Kendrick might float some people's boat, but yeah, once you put it in front of the, you know, a, a lazy Friday afternoon, or I think the the the, the NXT UK tapings, uh, I think there's three sessions over the Saturday. The first one starts at eight in the morning. That crowd's not going to be into that. Um, yeah, so yeah, but good luck to the likes of us uh, covering it when when those things actually do make tape, because yeah, the the NXT UK product isn't hugely exciting as it is, but put it in front of a a crowd that's probably not going to be hugely interested. And yeah, I don't think you've uh, really got a recipe for success. But it's a real issue for that brand because you think when it launched, the thing that everybody was praising it for was how enthusiastic the crowds were, mm. because you've done. The tapings on Royal Rumble weekend, then the tapings in a half in a more than half empty Sky Dome in Coventry. Now you're going to get these tapings. Hmm. It's it's literally it's like what is it? It'll be by the time all these tapings are done, it's going to be about five months hmm. since they were they recorded in front of a crowd lively on TV. Hmm. And for a, for a show that again hasn't got a huge amount of buzz as it is, that can be the death knell, can't it? And Who'd have thought it will? I mean, <laughs> WDB came into into Europe and, and have done their 
you know, created their own mini promotion because the European scene was so hot. And why was the European scene so hot? Because, well, the style and the crowds, and they've basically taken none of that, really. Um, some of the style. Um, but as far as, you know, the exciting atmosphere of uh, of Brit Rare shows and this boom we've uh, experienced the last couple of years, it's, uh, yeah, it's been a bit lacking for NXT UK. And, yeah, with uh, with these tapings, I'm, uh, I'm not hugely confident it's going to get any better. Um, but it's, oh, go on. It's like something that you've talked about um, on, on the Grapple podcast. No, I've talked about, I've written about Inflames Film Magazine. Nobody wants more weekly TV for mm. wrestling. Mm. But people like big live shows. Like, I still can't get over while Waste That Sky Dome was. Like, if you'd have put a big match on that, didn't have to be Walter versus uh, Dunn. You could have done another big match. Mm. You could have had 3,000 rabid fans for like a three hour live special mm. to then build to whatever you're going to do over Mania weekend, surely that would have been better. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think those big, you'd market something like that as, a, as an important event and people come out, but when you throw it on on the network every week, uh, two at a time as the, the stars, and now and now one at a time, and it's and it's this product, then yeah, you're not gonna gonna excite people to come out. And yeah, that was for me, Coventry Sky Dome with its uh, history in Brit Res, uh, definitely a, a big opportunity missed that. Yeah. Now before we go, we 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 should before we go on to the other shows, we should probably give a prediction. Who do you think's winning? Now bear in mind. If Walter wins, he might not be might not be able to get into the UK after April twelfth. <laughs> there is that, yeah, as we talked about at the top of the show. Uh, I think WWE can uh, can can flex their muscle. They might not. They've got an in with Trump in the US. I don't know if they've got an in over here. Um, I don't know. Uh, they got an in with Theresa May. Uh, I can't really see that happening. Although like, <laughs> likelihood is she's uh, she's not going to be the prime minister by then. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, maybe, maybe. What's that? Sorry. Not if it's a no-deal Brexit, you won't be. <laughs> <laughs> Seems very unlikely. But, yeah, I think, you know, you, all, all that stuff aside, I, I do think, for me, it's a Walter win. Uh, I think Pete Dunne's had... He's been the man in NXT UK this entire time. There isn't really anything else you can do with him past this Walter feud as far as, you know, doing fresh, exciting things. Whether, again, to our point, that's that's more because we've seen him do those exciting things outside of the NXT UK environment that makes me say that. Uh, but yeah, he's the longest reigning champion in WWE, and I think it's probably about time it ended. And yeah, I think for me, if you want to freshen up the show and have a a big monster heel, then then Walter's your man. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I think I think it's time um, time for for Dunn to go over to America. Um, he could he could probably help NXT as NXT loses uh, talent. Mm. Um, and I think the other nice thing as well is it's a way of having done lose a title without losing in the uk mm. and so you can keep, still keep him strong in his home market um so yeah i, I i'd go with a walter victory um but it would not surprise me to go with dunn as kind of a way to introduce dunn to the americans again um mm. after being out of out of sight out of mind since november mm. yeah that, that would make sense but yeah I, again i think i think i agree with you i think walter win and yeah let's uh I don't know. Hope's probably the wrong way, but you never know. Boris Johnson might be our prime minister by the time that happens. So, you know, might be an entirely uh, different scenario. But uh, <laughs> to more exciting things with uh, 
with WrestleMania weekend and the, the Brits and the Europeans that are abroad, uh, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of Brits out there, but as far as shows for live streaming goes, you're pretty much reduced to, to two options. Um, WXW and RevPro. Uh, I'm going to be attempting to watch both of them. I don't know whether I'll watch them on live stream or maybe catch the VOD right after. There's a lot of competition. WXW running head-to-head with Bloodsport, which was uh, a big winner last year uh, on the live stream and something I really do want to watch. I think uh, RevPro's running head-to-head with the WWN Super Show as well. Uh, but interesting lineups go as far as uh, things that you can watch. WXW, their shows uh, America ist wunderbar. Uh, it's on Thursday at 4 p.m. local time, so it's 9 p.m. our time. A nice uh, time for Europeans, 10 p.m. in Germany. Uh, interesting card, Bobby Guns against Shigehiro Irie for the WXW title. Aussie Open versus uh, the other James Drake, J.D. Drake and Anthony Henry for the tag belts. Uh, Absolute Andy versus Chris Brooks, U versus Lefisto, LAX versus Yearn Simmons and Alexander James, David Starr versus Lucky Kid, Emil Satochi versus Mario Al- Al- Salani for the shotgun title, and Avalanche versus Darby Allen. couple of guest stars in there and... You know, we're obviously the elephant in the room. We're missing Walter, understandable, with his big takeover match. We're missing Ilya, maybe not quite so understandable with what he'll be getting up to over the weekend. But yeah, uh, a very uh, WXW-looking card there, Will. Yep, now, 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 Dragunov needs to be fresh for those important matches on Saturday. (laughs) Yeah, in front of that (laughs) sleepy 8am crowd of belt collectors. Yeah, no, I mean... Well, we're going to talk about Red Pro in a second, but that is a WXW card with a few Americans added into the mix um it's it's a proper representation of the promotion without no with the caveat of no walter no dragonoff it'll be interesting to see whether for example walter makes a guest appearance to say hi or anything like that mm. uh, but i think you can't really ask for a stronger uh, re- uh presentation mm. of a foreign promotion uh, going over to America, and given the fact that hardly any of the WXW guys are getting bookings elsewhere, it's mm. really impressive um, the fact that they've actually gone to the you know, hassle and expense of flying out so many people out there. Um, I can't think of a British or European promotion that's put that strong a foot forward in terms of actually showcasing mm. their own guys um, on any mania weekend so I, th- I think it's really good stuff yeah definitely a very interesting card i mean let, let's see how many of them make it into the country will again we're calling this on <laughs> wednesday if anyone's listening thursday friday and visa problems have, have reared their head uh, i guess we'll see but yeah they've done a very good job of making it uniquely wxw and yeah to your point you're not seeing a lot of those guys elsewhere you know whether that's right or wrong i, I haven't seen bobby gunn's name anywhere else as far as other shows um but yeah, definitely makes the uh, WXW card uh, an interesting proposition. So that's Thursday, but Friday, uh, as I mentioned, RevPro live in New York. That's 3 p.m. local time, so 8 p.m. our time. And other, you know, they've, they've done a good, good job here of uh, making these European cards very accessible for us Europeans. It's not going to be like watching Joey Janela at 5 in the morning. Uh, 8 p.m., <laughs> a, a nice time for RevPro Friday night. Um, Elephant in the room, Pac is not there. He's the He's been the big visa story of not making it out there. It does make you question, though, that uh, the pack uh, can't can't get a visa, but somehow Chuck Bambo is still working in the U.S. Interesting. Um, it makes you question how many of the uh, the British guys are, are out there as tourists uh, or or working. Uh, I don't know if you got any, any input on that, Will. Yeah, reading between the lines, because obviously all Dragon Gate guys got pulled. Mm. Um, 
and I, I assume that he was being put, put under as Dragon Gate because uh, dra- uh, Dragon Gate, a bunch of Dragon Gate guys were meant to be on WrestleCon. Mm-hmm. And the statement they put out basically said Dragon Gate won't apply for their own visas. They, mm-hmm. WrestleCon made it much more diplomatically than this, but basically. Drag- Dragon Gate will not apply for visas for their wrestlers to perform in America. Mm. They insist that whoever's working with them apply for the visas. But WrestleCon doesn't have the status required to apply for the visas. So mm. that's why none of the Dragon Gate got in. Mm. I would hope and assume that the guys who are going who are going it from Britain and Europe into America the reason why they've got it and Pac hasn't is because a domestic promotion, be it WXW or Fight Club Pro, which seems to be the two organizations that are shipping the most people out, have applied for the visas. Mm. And so they can actually prove, no, we use him all the time. He's good. Yeah. Here's, the, here's a proof of our relationship. So that's why that's a weird technicality that I think's tripped up Pac and the Dragon Gate guys. And it's probably the reason why you don't see dragon gate guys um in america very often since dragon gate usa folded mm. uh, and probably why they needed to create in the first place mm. yeah interesting yeah that, that might explain it because yeah you'd imagine you know uh rev pro had some you know issue last year they couldn't work with i think they wanted andy quilden said on his podcast didn't they they wanted to work progress to get visas for their guys that didn't happen so they had a limited amount of british guys um this year you know they haven't got a to be honest they haven't got a huge amount themselves um chris brooks is on the show but you know there's not a huge amount of of, of other british rev pro names so maybe there's something to that you know rev pro have brought in as far as their show they've had to reshuffle it with pack being out so instead of the original car that we were we were going to get we've got some you know, interesting mix-ups on that. We've got Zack Sabre Jr. and Minoru Suzuki now facing Hiroshi Tanahashi and Will Ospreay. Ospreay originally scheduled to team with Pac against CCK um, to go along with the build uh, coming out of their singles match in your call. Uh, Sho and Yo against Aussie Open. Tomohiro Ishii versus David Starr. A very rev pro match, even if it didn't doesn't involve any British British wrestlers. Uh, Reisuke Taguchi versus Rocky Romero and uh, Gresham and Brooks CCK against Carl Fredericks and Alex Coughlin. Uh, interesting lineup there. Very rev pro in some ways, but like I say, looking at it in, in, uh, in cold black and white, not a huge amount of Brits there either. Yeah, I think that the way they handled losing Pack, which obviously blindsided them, it's not a nice situation for them to be in. I really think it's a disgrace, to be honest. Like mm. they had a main event with CCK, and CCK is their they insist on do, doing it this way. They're their lead heel tag team, rather than find a partner for Will Osprey, mm. so you could you could give your lead heel tag team the rub of main eventing your your show, you just bump them all the way down, presumably to the open, against a bunch of um, New Japan Young Lions. And not even like cool Young Lions that uh, we get to see on some of the uh, Japanese shows. These are the Young Lions of the new um, LA Dojo, uh, the Shibata do- Dojo. So these are guys with no buts. Mm. Uh, other than the rumours people are hearing on the grapevine. And it just speaks to how Rev Pro has no direction 
and no buzz outside of what's given to him by New Japan. Mm. So, uh, yeah, okay, Tanahashi Osprey versus Suzuki Goon is a really good match, and I-, I would have loved to seen that in your call. But it's not in your call. It's in America. Sure, the whole point of taking a British promotion to America is to showcase British wrestling mm. to the Americans. Because other than like this, you could have easily have done Aussie Open Osprey versus CCK. Lycos is, is in America. He is wrestling. You could have added Lycos to that match. Why didn't they? I assume it's because the people who have shipped out Lycos to America, who have paid for his visa, paid for his board, would then want to cut uh, for RevPro to pay their fair cut. I'll said visa. I'll said accommodation. I'll said flight. RevPro didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Instead, they got a bunch of, Jap- of Japanese guys and American guys who, some, who you know, Big Brother New Japan is already paying for. Mm-hmm. It's just lazy and shoddy. It's like, and it really is a disgrace to treat. Again, the guys that you are pushing as either your biggest or second biggest heel tag team. <sighs> yeah, I, I have no, like, I was all up for, for getting this and watching it. I have no interest in this. It's, it's interesting because, really... like, a lot of, like, I was listening to the Voices of Wrestling flagship and they were hyped for this show. And you speak to Americans and they are because it's, you know, there's a lot of New Japan guys here and it's very interesting yeah. matches. But, yeah, from, a like, a someone who follows RevPro point of view and somebody... Who you know, Pack and Osprey was a very good, what, very good match, very good draw, uh, terrible finish. I sat through that CCK angle. I sat through that abortion of a CCK Aussie Open match at your call as well. Obviously, they're trying to build uh, Brooks and Greshams as the big bad heels, yeah. And for this to, I know it's not their fault that the Pack's not in the country, but yeah, this, it's a bit of a, a, a bit of a, I don't know, underwhelming uh, payoff uh, as far as that stuff goes, and. Yeah, I mean, it kind of, like you said, it speaks to what RevPro kind of is. They've, I've said in the past, for me, you know, RevPro leans a little bit too heavily on the New Japan relationship, as understandable as it is. I mean, they lost a lot of talent last year in a rebuilding phase, and they've got, like you say, big brother New Japan right there that they can lean on and bring in guys and draw crowds to the big York Hall shows. It makes all the sense of the world, and I'd probably do it in that position too. Uh, but it does say something to, you know, while they've done a job of getting El Fantasmo over, unfortunately he's not here. They've done a great job, of, you know, as good as anyone other than WXW of getting David Starr over. Not British, but, you know, a, a genuine, you know, Rev Pro guy. Um, but it does speak something, doesn't it, to the maybe lack of uh, an identity without New Japan that uh, that Rev Pro's kind of suffering with at the moment. It's also a thing of, like, if they really had to put... Suzuki, and like I could see the argument that you're doing the big British title match, it makes sense for Tanahashi to be part of no Tanahashi to face on to face Suzuki going to to make that build. Mm. But like Team White Wolf mm. are, in, are, are in America. Could could you not have gotten them over? And it, again, I'd be very very curious how many of these people are they paying anything for in terms of their accommodation or visas? Because it doesn't it feels like a lineup where most of these people are, are, have either been flown in by New Japan mm. or are American-based. Yeah, definitely. I mean, to that point, I mean, the other the other show that was allegedly streaming at one point, but isn't anymore, has got a couple of those guys on. Uh, we talked a lot about Fight Club Pro at the start of the show. 
this is on Thursday. It was originally advertised on Fight. Uh, not anymore. Um, Fight, Fight Club Pro out like saying on Twitter that they had no idea it was ever going to stream on Fight. Uh, so that's been cancelled very last minute, Will. But yeah, their show looks interesting. They've got the aforementioned four-way we said earlier with the Rascals, Team White Wolf, Besties in the World, and Sesson Juice. Uh, they got a match with Schadenfreude, which is Kyle Fletcher, Chris Brooks, and yep, Kid Lycos, who is in the country against, uh, it was Amazing Reds, but he's announced his retirement this week, so I don't know who they're going to replace him with. Robbie I, uh, and Puma King. Mike Quackenbush. Mike Quackenbush, very interesting. That's a, that's a, that's a nice little uh, last minute thing to throw in. Uh, you've also got Trey Miguel against Penelope for Kip Sabian, Jake Atlas. Uh, there's a triple threat match for the Destiny World, uh, number one contenders match for the Destiny World Championship, which is Sammy Callahan, Shane Strickland, Ethan Page. Connor Mills is in the country against Chuck Mambo, who's also there. Um, Chuck Mambo, who is actually working Rich Swan on the uh, Pancakes and Power Drivers show after a, a push online uh, in a fan vote that he, that he managed to win. So quite uh, encouraging for him. And also Mark Davis against Ricky Shane Page. Uh, not an outright Fight Club Pro show, but uh, plenty of uh, representation there in the in the joint show they're doing with Destiny. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's basically there's like four or five Fight Club Pro, uh, Fight Club Pro uh, matches and then there's a few Destiny matches. Um the Shred of Void match, like, I, I really like Mike Quackenbush, and I'm sure he'll be good. It does take my interest in that slightly down, because it was going to be like a flippy tag, mm. kind of like the one we saw Shred of Void have against uh, uh, the kind of like a lucha trios of uh, Penta, Phoenix, and Ray, Ray Horace. Mm. Uh, so, but I'm sure that'll still be good. We've already talked about a four-way tag, which would be, which would be great. Um, the Davis, uh, Mark Davis, Ricochet pay match might be interesting because he hasn't done it often, but I did see Mark Davis had a pretty enjoyable, uh, death match against Clinton Majera, um, in Wolverhampton. And so he's, he's not bad at that sort of garbage brawling. Mm. So, um, that, that could be interesting. So yeah, like it's, it'll be up on Fight Club Pro's VOD at some point. Um, but again, yeah, like that has got far many more unique British guys down the Rev Pro show. Mm. Would you like to hear about the, the most unique British show that, that's uh, happened in WrestleMania weekend, Will? Uh, not streaming anywhere. And yeah, it's uh, IPW UK live in New York City. Uh, IPW uh, are out there at the NYC Arena in Queens. Uh, I, I don't really... I mean, this is... It's not a promotion I would have expected to be out there. They've got Rob Lynch against Gino Gambino. Uh, Robert Sharp against Joe Gacy, Kip Sabian, who's out there against Vaughn Vertigo, uh, James Storm versus Jimmy Havoc, and there's a scramble match with Connor Mills, Danny Duggan, uh, the Ojmo, uh, and a couple of people to be announced. Uh, odd one, that IPW UK being out there. It doesn't seem like it's going to be the hot ticket, but I don't know. Maybe maybe they're hoping that uh, people are going to are going to come out for for something a bit different and British. There were rumours that the tickets were automatically being discounted to one dollars at one point. It so still, uh, it still says a pound on the website, but when you try and book, it does it does charge you thirty. I don't know whether they they, they fix that problem or or what, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe it might have been a better idea because yeah, that's uh, that's one show that yeah, unless you listen to these types of podcasts, I'm not sure you'd even be aware it's happening. Um, something for the for the people who subscribe to IPW on demand. Uh, look for. <laughs> To at some point, um, yeah, get get that Rob Lynch, uh, Gino Gambino match in. Yeah, we'll, uh, there's um, other things to talk about British guys. Um, obviously, we've talked about um, 
matches falling by the wayside uh, because of people not having their visas. We had a whole promotion uh, die in Nova. Mm. And uh, Chris Brooks found out that the promo- well, no, a promotion they had in books wasn't running a show anymore. And he found out on Twitter. So he's now part of the kind of emergency replacement at Orange Cassidy show. Mm. And he's got like a best out of 13 falls match against like an American guy called, I think, Lash LaRoe, who I'm not overly familiar with. Lash LaRoe from WCW? I don't know. Let me have a look at Brooks' um, matches. So no, it's Logan Easton LaRocks. So it's not oh, Lash LaRoe. Absolutely good. <laughs> yeah, that would have been good. I would have taken Lash LaRue. Um maybe <laughs> maybe he's still out there. I don't know if he's retired or not, but yeah, still interested and good to see you know the British guys who are out there getting work. You know, he, as much as maybe I make light of that IPW, so the likes of a, an Ojmo being out there, you know, he's he's probably not going to work anywhere else. But cool for him to work a main new weekend. So yeah, it'll be like I say, interesting uh, as the weekend goes on. Uh, where all the other British guys pop up? Are you uh, excited for the weekend? Uh, will not just. Brit Res, but, but in general, should be fun. Yeah, I mean, the one final match we should probably talk about is the big MSG show and uh, Sabre Tanahashi, because mm. we've moaned about Rev Pro um, a fair bit, but, you know, Sabre getting to defend his British title mm. um, at, at, at Madison Square Garden. This is the good side of the uh, Japanese, of the relationship with New Japan. Yeah. And uh, given the fact that Sabre is a uh, defending his tag titles on uh, May 10th. It, it really wouldn't surprise me if he loses that. Mm. Um, and there's a few matches with Tanahashi in uh, the UK before the big New Japan show mm. um, at the end of August. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely uh, something to keep an eye on. And you could, yeah, I think the exact Sabre is, you know, he's someone who you could you could keep that belt on, but, you know, you could do something. You could do something interesting as well. So, yeah, definitely going to be uh, proud watching uh, the Brits abroad uh, like him over over this Mania weekend. Uh, anything else uh, before we go, uh, Will? Anything you'd, uh, you'd like to plug? Oh, yeah, so Fightsbit Magazine, uh, the, the current issue, which is still just about out, um, has my uh, big feature on pleading with All Elite Wrestling to not do weekly television, it might be slightly motivated by self-interest because I don't have to, I don't have to watch another weekly wrestling show. <laughs> There's all sorts of interesting stuff about why it might not be the best idea. Also looks at NXT UK and kind of goes into a bit more detail about how actually weekly television hasn't really worked for anybody outside of WWE for a long time. Mm. Also has um, more relevant perhaps for this for this podcast my big feature on Chris Brooks over. 3,000 words on his 2018 and 2019. Looks at kind of the role he's played in things like Attack, uh, Tuesday Night Graps, Fight Club Pro, and then looks ahead to what, uh, how Rev Pro can make the most out of him uh, moving forward. Absolutely. Definitely uh, push anybody to, uh, if they don't subscribe already, definitely subscribe to FSM um, or yeah, check it out in your local WH Smith. Uh, for me, as far as plugs go, you follow me on Twitter at BensonRichardE and yeah, as I mentioned on our last show, uh, my old uh, Indie Corner Spotlight podcast has, has now moved. It's uh, now the official podcast of the Grapple app. You might have heard uh, John and Way mention the, uh, the Grapple app uh, uh, on their podcasts. Uh, so yeah, you can now find us every Monday. We're at grapple.podbean.com. It's myself, Joe and JP, who've both guested on the, these shows before, where we talk some British wrestling, but also US Indies, Japan, WWE, 
EastEnders, Coronation Street, uh, anything really that uh, that kind of crosses our brain as like a more a casual and very long chat that we uh, we have every Monday. So again, grapple.podbean.com. Uh, please check that out. But yeah, that's uh, it for another show from us. Uh, Martin will be back in two weeks and we'll be talking everything that happened this main year weekend as well as that big progress show from Sunday. So again, we'll see you in two weeks.